Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to The World in 10 podcast, bringing you the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today, brought to you by me, Rebecca Myers, and Toby Gillis. We discuss if the people of Israel are beginning to question the ceasefire in Gaza as another fatal attack on Israeli soil takes place. Israel and Hamas remain locked in talks over the potential extension of the ceasefire, but much is happening away from Gaza, but still related to the war in the Middle East. When we woke up this morning, news was breaking of another terror attack in mainland Israel, not on the scale of October the 7th, to say the least, but certainly by two Palestinians. The brothers, who shot three Israeli civilians dead at a bus stop in Jerusalem, were known to be Hamas affiliates and had previously been jailed for terror activity. And the Times is reporting concerns that the incident could jeopardise the truce on the Gaza Strip. The pair were killed themselves when two off-duty police officers and an armed civilian returned fire. So what is the feeling in Israel? Have they given up too much by stopping the hostilities in exchange for a few tens of hostages to be released? Is it time to restart the military action in Gaza? Udi Goren, whose cousin Tal Haimi was kidnapped on October the 7th, told us the overwhelming feeling there is that they do want every hostage back and they'd even pay a higher price for that to happen. There are polls that state very, very clearly more people are in the mindset that we have to bring back the hostages no matter what and then take care of Hamas. These are official polls that are being conducted and it's the public's opinion. Once we make the concession, it it really depends what concession do we make to think about how much of the public would agree. Do we pull out of Gaza? Do we have an extended ceasefire? Do we release male prisoners, people who have committed terrorist attacks and have blood on their hands, which is not the people we've been releasing so far. These are significant concessions that the public in Israel would have a harder time acknowledging. And yet, when we take these into account, there are more people that support this than oppose this. Talks will no doubt continue to the last possible moment today to determine whether Israel will accept the demands of Hamas to extend the ceasefire and expand the hostage release programme to men or even soldiers. Yes, and if Hamas is putting a higher price on those people's heads, 
Then who are next cheapest and what are their price? Here's the political commentator and former Palestinian Authority spokeswoman, Noor Odeh. The most likely one to succeed is the Israeli men held captive who are beyond the age of active duty in the Israeli military, so beyond the age of 40 or 50. And most likely those would be exchanged for the about 700 Palestinian prisoners who suffer from critical uh, illnesses, including terminal cancer. And maybe that would build momentum for more uh, negotiations during uh, the interim. One person who has, right until his death today at the age of 100, been watching developments in the Middle East carefully is Henry Kissinger. Yes, there's a huge amount of coverage in the times of the former US Secretary of State's passing, of course, reflecting on the two sides of the debate around his impact on global politics. Some believe he was a man whose experience of being a Jewish teenager in Germany before the outbreak of the Second World War influenced him to spend his life working to avoid a third. For others, a war criminal for his role in the bombing of Cambodia, which propelled the country into an awful civil war, for his role in overthrowing a left-wing, democratically elected government in Chile to allow Pinochet to take over, or for actions that impacted Iraq or Pakistan, Indonesia or Iran. A divisive figure to say the least, and his obit in The Times is superb, absolutely filled with detail. But we will briefly focus on one element, and that's the way he focused on avoiding a world war to this day. No doubt the Middle East will have focused his mind significantly in recent weeks. Kissinger was heavily involved in the diplomatic efforts that led Egypt to become the first Arab state to recognise Israel. But his friend, the former British ambassador to the US, Lord Renwick, told us Ukraine would have done well to listen to him as well, however unpalatable his advice might have been. You learnt an awful lot just listening to him because he understood history so deeply. And what he said to me about Ukraine was that there won't be a peace. It'll be a frozen conflict like North and South Korea. Neither side will make peace. But it's stupid to think Ukraine is going to be able to win back Crimea by force. Meanwhile, tens of thousands of young Russians and young Ukrainians, because the Ukrainians are not publicizing their own casualties, are dying over a few acres of ground. And we have to find a way to stop it sooner rather than later. He was heavily criticised for that, and that, believe me, is what will happen or something very like it in the end. Kissinger would no doubt have also been interested in an opinion piece by The Times' diplomatic editor, Roger Boys, looking at the precarious situation between mainland China and Taiwan. So the World in 10 is designed to analyse the news and the state of the world, so we thought it important to bring you details of this, because while Roger has been predicting where the next major diplomatic crisis may come from, and thinks it may be as early as January 2024, when Taiwan's electorate goes to the polls. Currently, the favourite is Lai Ching-tae of the Democratic Progressive Party, who champions Taiwan's distinctive identity, its claims to nationhood and close ties to the United States. If he wins, Roger says, Taiwan will be a thorn in the side of China's President Xi Jinping. The opposition is split in two and can't agree on a unity candidate, either of whom would represent a move to become more closely aligned to China. And at least if you listen to their pre-election rhetoric, avert war 
Rogers Peace argues that if Lai wins, the state of the world, particularly taking into account the wars in Ukraine and the Middle East, might actually persuade President Xi to take military action. His argument is simple. Xi's hopes of a peaceful takeover of Taiwan will shrink if Lai becomes president. Is China, he asks, going to build up its forces and be ready for an invasion in 2027? Or is it prepared to go earlier, calculating that the US is already overstretched and distracted by other wars? Yet there is a word of warning for Xi. And this is the opinion element from Roger. It comes from the experience of Russia in Ukraine. I'm treating... Xi as a, as a rational player who's also an ally of, largely silent ally of Russia in its war against Ukraine. Russia, by messing up in different ways in Ukraine, not necessarily losing in the long term, but nevertheless messing up, Xi might be thinking again about whether it makes sense. Is he capable of a blitzkrieg? Well, Russia wasn't. When Russia tried to invade Ukraine, it got stuck in the mud. So the the quick smash and grab scenario didn't work. And yet China needs to take over Taiwan. It it needs a kind of smash and grab. And it seems that it's not so easy, especially as China has always admired the Russian army for its openness to taking risks, but also its sheer weight. The other factor is the huge... Russian casualty rate, which uh, British intelligence now say has reached 300,000 soldiers. There's so much nuance to this fascinating piece. It's a must-read now on the Times website. There's just time to tell you about two other stories today. The first is a cutting criticism of rugby in the UK, but could be expanded to any major sport globally, really, by the Times' rugby correspondent Alex Lowe. Yeah, he's been hugely critical of the lack of protection afforded to top players, specifically in this case, the England captain Owen Farrell, who's made himself unavailable, at least for the next major competition they play in the Six Nations, because he says he needs to prioritise his mental health. Uh, Finally, Rebecca... Top Christmas song? I'm a sucker for All I Want for Christmas is You, which is so cringe. <laughs> for me... Yep, fairy tale of New York. That's the one everyone's singing in the office today uh, after the death of Shane McGowan, the front man of the Pogues at the age of just 65. It's made huge news across the globe and his Times obituary highlights how he really lived. It says McGowan's dissolute and self-destructive lifestyle. He claimed that he'd never been sober since he was 14 and led doctors to tell him that unless he gave up drinking and drug taking, he would not live long enough to get his bus pass. He did, just... But in those short 65 years, his cultural impact, both in his native Ireland and beyond, is huge. A real reminder that time is precious. And it's why we always end the podcast thanking you for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the Times of London. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>